This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus. Chapter 33, Exodus chapter 33. Lord, I ask for your wisdom this morning, and I pray that your words will go forth with anointing and power. And I pray that every single one of us will leave this place changed because there is power in your word. Amen. Exodus chapter 33. God always wanted to be close to his people. In fact, there's never been a time where God wanted to be distant from his people. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, God desired relationship and fellowship with those that he created. He wanted to be close to us. The only thing that creates the barrier between us and God is sin. And so ever since Adam and Eve made the choice to disobey, and God had warned them, if you do this, you will die, God knew that they were going to sin and he put in place a plan which we see unfold all through the scriptures for restoration of fellowship and nearness to God. And when I think about the character of God, it encourages me because while I was still a sinner, God pursued me. God didn't wait till I went looking for him. He came looking for me. In fact, the scripture says that if it weren't for the Spirit of God drawing us, none of us would come to him. So the process of us getting close to God is not merely initiated by us, but it's initiated by God. And when God initiates the process, he sets the terms for us to be able to get close to him. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. In Exodus chapter 33, we see here that God was interacting with Moses and Moses was then communicating to the people. So if you would start with me in verse 7, it says it was Moses' custom to set up the tent known as the tent of meeting far outside the camp. Everyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go there. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in their tent entrances. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Then all the people would stand and bow low at their tent entrances. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp 
But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, stayed behind in the tent of meeting. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You call me by name and you tell me that I've found favor with you. Please, if this is really so, show me your intentions so I will understand you more fully and do exactly what you want me to do. Besides, don't forget that this nation is your very own people. It's a very interesting setting for this conversation. Who else do you know who has sat down and talked to God as a friend? In the very presence of the Lord to be able to have this conversation. And yet Moses responds to God and says, you've called me by name. You have given me this wonderful task, but there's still much about you and your intentions that I still don't understand. The truth is, is that you and I, even once we experience this close presence with the Lord, there is so much more for us to learn. There's always opportunity for us to grow when we come into the presence of the Lord. And so Moses asked this question, who are you going to send with me? And the Lord replied in verse 14, I will personally go with you. Moses, I will give you rest and everything will be fine for you. What a wonderful choice. God said, I'm not just going to send someone else. I'm going to go with you personally. And then Moses said, if you don't go with us personally... Don't let us move a step from this place. If you don't go with us, how will anyone ever know that your people and I have found favor with you? How else will they know that we are special and distinct from all other people on the earth? And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for you have found favor with me and you are my friend. You've probably sung that song, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God. But friendship doesn't come automatically. The scripture says, for a man to have friends, he must be friendly. I've had various people over the years come to me complaining that no one talks to them. That they don't have any close friends, that everybody rejects them. And they just wish that they could have someone that they could have as a friend. And so we began to talk. And one of the things that becomes a reality in almost every situation is that that person has a very tough time being friendly. Because it's a two-way street. If you have a friendship with someone and you're the only one giving out, there comes a point where that friendship is going to be strained. 
But when there's a two-way street and you're giving and you're receiving, there's a blessing in that process. For us to be a friend of God, it's the same way. Now, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have our names written in the Lamb's book of life if indeed we have surrendered our hearts to Christ. I believe that most everybody in this room, hopefully everybody in this room, is ready to meet Jesus. But I want to tell you that in addition to being ready to meet Jesus, it is very critical that you develop a relationship with him where you are close to him. And the truth is, you can be as close to God as you choose to be. But it will take effort on your part. Because on your part, you must also be a friend to God. And when God says, for you to experience my presence, this is what I expect of you, then we have to work at that. To be able to say, yes, God, I want to be in your presence. Moses was a man who was a friend of God. Why? Because he obeyed God. Because he was willing to listen, God gave him access to his very presence. In fact, there were times where God said, there was one particular time where God said, Moses, these people are so rebellious, step aside, I'm going to wipe them out and I'm going to start a whole new group from you. And if you remember, Moses said, oh Lord, but your reputation is on the line. And Moses interceded for the people. And God said, all right. Moses was a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be a friend of God. And that doesn't come about just because you have this initial relationship with the Father alone. If you'll notice, even at the Last Supper, there were different disciples in different places at the table. And John the Beloved, who writes in his epistles, the man whom Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the Last Supper. Because he desired to be close. There was a desire in his heart to be close. God doesn't force people to be close to him. Have you noticed that doesn't work? When you want a friend and you want that friend really bad and you try to force that friendship, it just doesn't work, does it? So God simply makes himself available to us and we have to press in. Every single one of us in this room can be a very close friend to God. But it doesn't happen automatically. See, God is holy. And he expects us to be holy. He expects us to have a heart that follows after him. And when we have a heart that follows after him, this closeness develops. So Moses says to the Lord, Lord, who are you going to send? God says, I'll go with you. And he says, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. And I want to tell you that that is 
my heart's cry here at Christian Life Center. God, if you don't go with us, all of our ministry on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, on Sunday night, on, at any time, will be void of your power. The scripture tells us that we can be involved in doing ritual things for God. And we can even understand some of the basic theology about God, but not walk in his power. And I don't want that. I don't want to simply go through motions, but rather to experience the true presence of the living God. When God shows up, sometimes things can be very difficult because God is a holy God. In fact, the scripture says God is a consuming fire. And when you get close to the fire, some things begin to burn off and that can be a painful experience. As we read through the Bible together, I'm reading through the Old Testament. Uh, and as I was just reading this week about, for those of you who read, are reading along, the specific requirements for the anointing oil. That it had to be made with specific ingredients and it could not be used for any other purpose apart from God's a tabernacle. In addition, the specifics of the ingredients for the incense. And it was made exactly as God asked for it to be made. And it says it could not be used in a regular person's home. It had to be set apart. And then it goes so far to say, if the anointing oil was ever recreated by a person for personal use with those specific ingredients or if the incense was duplicated from the ingredients that God had said and was used for just regular use, it said that person would be cut off from the community. And I thought about that. And I thought, well, what a sobering response to what seems to be some very basic ingredients that you could get in your own kitchen and put together. But God was trying to make a point between that which is set apart for his purposes and that which is not set apart for those things that are noble. So that was the Old Testament. Here we are in the new. I'm so glad that Jesus fulfilled the law. But what we have to remember is because Jesus fulfilled the law does not mean that the character of God the Father has changed one bit. God is still a holy God. God still has specific expectations for those things that are set apart for him. And as I was praying this week and I said, God, give me insight to understand why you were so serious about the ingredients in the anointing oil and the ingredients in the incense. So much so that someone would not be able to be a part of the community of the believers 
because they duplicated something that was holy. Now, the word holy literally means set apart. That's what it means. So the anointing oil was to be set apart. In other words, only for God's use. The incense, only for God's use. It was a divine patent that God had said, do not duplicate that. And as I began to continue praying, I said, oh God, how does that apply in my life? Because see, there's no use in reading the Bible if you just get facts. You know, it's nice to know that's what happened. But how does that apply to you and me? Now, we no longer have the tabernacle or the temple in the sense that it was used back then. Why? Because God has chosen to break out of the buildings. And that happened when Jesus died. And that's exactly why the veil was torn in two. So that we could have access to God and that he would not have, there wouldn't be this barrier there anymore. That barrier was taken down by Jesus Christ. How many of you are glad that Jesus took down the barrier? Jesus took down the barrier. Why? Because he wanted to be near to you. I want to be near to God. But it just doesn't happen automatically. It's something that has to be pursued and certain steps have to be taken to walk a close walk with God. The scripture says that Enoch walked with God and then all of a sudden, poof, he was gone from this earth because God took him. I imagine him and God got so close God said, well, you just seem a little too far away down there. Why don't you come right up here to be with me? Now, we know God's everywhere. And we know that God's not limited in his ability to be in one place or the other. He is omnipresent. But I don't know about you, but I'd like to get as close to the throne room as I can get. I know God's presence can be here. And he is and he comes in very special ways in response to us opening our hearts to him. But I do look forward to the day when I get to see him closer than I get to experience him now. But I believe that I don't have to fully wait till that day when I leave this earth to experience the glory of God. And I want to share this with you today because I believe that God wants to reveal himself more and more to us if we are willing to take steps of obedience and allow his presence to be in us and among us. Verse 18, Moses said to God, he said, I have one more request. Would you please let me see your glorious presence? That was Moses' question, his request. The Lord answered, I'll make all of my goodness pass before you. I will call out my name, the Lord, to you. I will show kindness to anyone I choose, and I will show mercy to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. 
the Lord continued, stand here on this rock beside me as my glorious presence passes by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. Coming into the presence of God is a sobering thing. It's an awesome thing, but it's a sobering thing. It's something we cannot just waltz in as if, as if it's something normal. We have to come with fear and trembling. Not an unhealthy fear, but a healthy, respectful fear of the God who created us, the God that we serve. And when we come into his presence and we have set ourselves apart as holy unto the Lord, that allows us to have this close and near relationship to God. The temple, God doesn't limit himself to the temple. And the temple in Jerusalem is a beautiful place to visit. I've had the privilege of going to Israel and visiting the temple, seeing the place where Jesus walked. And Jesus one day will return to the temple. But the scripture tells us that when Jesus left this earth, he sent his Holy Spirit. And he said that his Holy Spirit would be inside of us. We have now become the temples of the spirit of the living God. And as I began to think about the reality of the ingredients in the anointing oil and of the incense, which represents the prayers of the saints that are rising up to the throne room. I thought about the reality that God is still a specific God. God doesn't deal with our relationship with him willy nilly. He is very specific in his expectations of us. He is full of grace. He is full of mercy, but he is also full of truth. And when we come into his presence, we need to have a heart that loves truth. If we are going to have a close relationship with God, because God loves truth. And when we come into God's presence, we must be set apart. That's why the scripture says, be ye holy as I am holy. It doesn't mean you won't make a mistake or you won't do something wrong, but it means that your heart is set on serving the living God and that the time that happens between when you do something wrong and when you actually acknowledge it and repent before the Lord becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And all of a sudden, months aren't going to go by where you harbor unforgiveness against your brother and sister. But the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and say, you know what? That is not the character of your heavenly father. And your heart is going to have softness to the Lord. And you're going to come before him and say, oh, God, forgive me because I was wrong. You're going to be forgiven because God says you'll be forgiven because Jesus paid for that sin on the cross. And the scripture says that the minute that you repent, that sin is forgiven when it's seriously repented for from a genuine heart. And guess what? That relationship with God is restored closer and closer the more that we are in line with the character of God in holiness and righteousness, the better of a friend we are to him.
And that's a critical component in us experiencing the presence of God. Because the scripture tells us that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, think about it in your own relationships. What happens when someone grieves you? When someone grieves you, there becomes this barrier in that relationship. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, God still loves us. He still wants us restored. But there is a barrier that has to be dealt with. But when we come before God and we deal with that barrier, that relationship can be restored because God doesn't hold grudges. And I'm so glad he doesn't. He forgets our sin in the sense that he doesn't hold it against us any longer. He forgives us and he cleanses us and he gives us full access to his presence. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto the Lord, which is your reasonable act of worship. And that we're not to be conformed to this world, but that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I begin to think about how God wants this body to be holy. He wants the things I think about to be righteous. He wants the things that I do, the places I go to honor him. And as I honor him in those areas, his Holy Spirit, his presence will be not only with me, but inside of me. And he will walk with me. He will give me strength and he will help me through every challenge and every battle that I have to fight. Moses said, please let me see your glorious presence. Fast forward with me to Matthew chapter 17. Now Jesus, the Messiah, had come. He had chosen his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 17, we're told that Jesus took with him Peter and two brothers, James and John, and led them up on a high mountain. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance changed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothing became dazzling white. Now, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, was the full representation of God the Father. He was God in human form. And yet the scripture tells us that it was as if it were veiled because we as human beings were not, were, would not be able to look God in the face and live. And so Jesus walked around on this earth as if it were the glory of God veiled to a certain degree. And in this specific setting, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, who, by the way, spent extra time with Jesus because they had developed a relationship with Jesus even to a different degree than the other 
nine disciples. God doesn't always spend the same amount of time with everybody. He is willing to invest in those who are intent on setting themselves apart for him. Now, some may think that's not fair. But the truth is, is that those who are more interested receive more of God's attention. And you see that played out in the disciples. Many, many times Jesus chose Peter, James, and John because of the relationship that was developed there. Again, you cannot force a relationship. There is nowhere that it says that, for example, um, another of the disciples really wanted to come with Jesus, and Jesus said, no, I don't want you around. There is never an indication. It was just that the other disciples had other interests. And see, for you and I, I want to remind you that you can get as close to God as you choose to. But there are steps that you and I must take in that process. It doesn't happen automatically. Verse 2, it says, As the men watched, Jesus' appearance changed, so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothing became dazzling white. And suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared And began talking with Jesus. Peter blurted out, Lord, this is wonderful. If you want me to, I'll make three shrines. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And no doubt if a few of the other saints of the Old Testament had showed up on that mountain, he would be busy building shrines for them too. Peter's focus at this moment in his walk, in his understanding of God, was focused on the temporal. It says in verse 5, but even as he said it, Peter is speaking and God interrupts Peter. A A bright cloud comes over them and a voice from the cloud says, so here's Peter. He says, I'll build one for Jesus, I'll build one for Moses, I'll build one for Elijah. And no doubt he would have continued, but then the Lord interrupts him and says, This is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with him. Listen to him. I think sometimes God just has to raise his voice a bit to get our attention. In another uh, location, it says that Peter said these words because he didn't know what else to say. And sometimes when we're caught in a situation, we're just like, oh, I've never been in this situation before. And we just kind of get overwhelmed and we say something because we feel we have to speak. But God the Father said, this is my son. Listen to him. So often we can get caught up in the things that God does and the people that God uses. But what's most important is that we stay focused on the one who calls people and the one who does the work. 
Because if you look at people, people can make wrong choices. People can let you down. People, people can make you confused about, about what's going on because you trying to accept, assess their lives and why is this happening in their life. And God doesn't always give you all that privy information because sometimes it's absolutely none of our business. But what is our business is ourselves. Your, your business is you. And who else can you get right with God but you? You may look at others and say, boy, if I could really give them some advice, I'd tell them this and this and this. And if, if I could help them get this straight, this would be great and so on. And so many times we can go over things in our mind about how we would help other people. But the most important thing we can do is sit ourselves down have a conversation with ourselves, and then get to business doing what we know God wants us to do. God wants us to have a close relationship with him. And he wants to demonstrate his glory to us. He will do that if we set ourselves apart unto him. The disciples were terrified, and they fell face down on the ground. Sometimes when God ministers to us, it's not always mellow. I think sometimes people get an idea that God is always mellow and quiet. But there are times when God exerts great power, and he raises his voice to get our attention. And that's very important. It's important for every single one of us to understand the truth. And so here in verse 6 it says, or verse 7 it says, Jesus came over and touched, touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked, they saw only Jesus with them. And they descended the mountain and Jesus commanded them. Don't tell anyone what you've seen until I, the Son of Man, have been raised from the dead. So they fell over on their face on the ground. And then Moses and Elijah, they disappeared and only Jesus remained. The truth is, is when everything is finalized around us, the only thing that really is going to remain a constant is Jesus. Take your eyes off of people in the sense that you idolize them because that's always going to get you in trouble. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So as your pastor, I would say, follow me as I follow Christ. However, make sure that as I follow Christ is the key component. And allow the spirit of the living God to be the director. God chooses to use people. God chooses to, he, the Bible says he has given gifts to the church. Pastor, teacher, evangelist, and so on. But in the middle of all of that, it is the same spirit that is at work. And we have to have an open heart to the spirit of God. Otherwise, if we get too focused on people, it can take us in a direction that God doesn't intend us to go. The disciples asked, 
Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to set everything in order. But I tell you, he has already come. But he wasn't recognized, and he was badly mistreated. And soon the Son of Man will also suffer at their hands. Then the disciples realized he had been speaking of John the Baptist. Wherever you are in your walk with God, you can get closer. Whatever battles you've won in the past, God wants to, be, to see you win even more victories for his glory. And I want to encourage every single one of us in this place to draw close to God. The scripture says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. It's very simple. We draw close to God and God draws close to us. So if you are experiencing a time where you feel like God is far away, I have some advice from the Word of God. Pack your bags and walk closer to Him. And when you get closer to Him, He's going to get closer to you. But in that process, there are some things that you may have to leave behind and that you can't pack to bring with you. You see, the closer we get to God, the more holy we need to be. And it becomes difficult sometimes. Because sometimes God will put up with certain things for a certain period of time. But then there comes a time where God draws a line and says, no more. You should mature by now. And I expect more of you. Draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. If your child is not walking by a certain age, then there is a developmental issue that has to be dealt with. And the doctors will assess it and they'll provide therapy and those kinds of things. It's the same way with us as spiritual babies who are born again in Jesus. When a certain period of time passes and we are not growing in Christ, then there has to be an assessment that there is some Delay in the growth process. But my prayer for every single one of us is that we will grow closer to God so that we can experience the presence of God in a greater way. And when God's presence shows up, things change. Things change in our minds. Things change in our bodies. Things change in our spirits. And the power of the Spirit of God will be able to, be, to flow more and more through our lives. So I want to encourage every single one of us. As Moses asked the Lord, Lord, would you, would you please go with us? If you're willing to say, Lord, I want you to be with me. I want you to go with me to my job. I want you to go with me in my house. And in every situation, I want you to be present. If you ask him and you sincerely mean it, he'll do it. But he may ask of you some things that need to let, you need to let go of. And if you're willing, he'll prepare you. You won't have to do it on your own. I'm going to ask you if you could close yourself in with God for a few moments. We're going to come into his presence and we're going to ask him to speak to us. Now, God speaks through his word. Everything that we're reminded of by the Holy Spirit has to always come back to the word of God. But in a service like this, the very spirit of the living God 
is at work. And he speaks and he ministers. If you have a hunger for God, God knows it. He knew it when you walked in this room. If you don't have a hunger for God, I'm here to tell you that if you're willing, like the man who didn't have a whole lot of faith to believe for the healing of his child, said, Lord, help my unbelief. If you ask him, he'll help you develop a hunger for him. Hunger is evident in how you prioritize things. When you're really hungry, there's a whole lot of stuff you're going to put aside to go get some food. whole lot of stuff. And that's exactly how it is with God. When you're hungry for God, there's a whole lot of stuff you'll put aside to get more time with Him. And I pray that God will grow our hunger. I pray that when we come out on a Sunday night for seeking the face of God, that the group of people that are gathering together like Moses in the tent of meeting, and Joshua went to the tent of meeting to be in the presence of God, that, our, that the group that comes out on Sunday night, my prayer is that that will double because of a hunger that fills our hearts, that all of a sudden other stuff that we're doing becomes less priority than seeking the Lord. And I want to tell you something. Family time is important. But there's nothing like family time in the presence of God. There's no better place for mom and dad and their kids than to be in the presence of the Lord together. And that is a critical thing. And I want to invite those of you with kids. Kids are welcome to come and seek the face of the Lord. There are some of you in this church who are leaders who are not even coming out to seek the Lord on a Sunday night. And I want to tell you that until that hunger changes, there is a barrier of certain things that will not be broke through in this church until that changes. My friend, if we don't get hungry for God, then we're going to only get the scrappings. And that's not what I want. So as your pastor, I know this may feel uncomfortable to you, but I've got to tell you, we have got to get serious in seeking the Lord if we're going to see the, the Spirit of God move in Springfield. Let alone our own selves, our hearts, our families, our communities. We need to seek the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team if they could please come on down and simply lead us in low volume something that lends to welcoming the presence of the Lord in this place. Now, though I hope and pray that every person in this room is ready to meet the Lord, I never take that for granted. And I want you to know in this place that God loves you. He cares for you.
if you have never experienced the glory of God, you can. You can experience the transforming power of God that sets people free from all kinds of addictions, sets people free from shame of their sin. And you're forgiven by the blood of Jesus. If you're in this room and you'd say, Pastor, I really want my heart to be clean before God. And I ask God for forgiveness for all of my sin. And I surrender my life to him today. I want to be ready to meet God. I want to be pleasing to God. I surrender my mind, my body, my spirit, every part of me to the Lord today. If that's you in this place, I want to invite you to take a bold stand, to simply stand to your feet right where you are. If you need to make a decision to follow Jesus today, Jesus was willing to hang on that cross for you to pay a price that you, I, we could never pay. The least that we can do is to take a stand for him. Say, God, I surrender. If that's you in this place today and you need to make that choice, today is the day of salvation. Today can be the best day of your life so far. And we'll only grow from there. God sees your hearts, my friends. Is there anyone else in this place that would say, God, I'm willing to surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin and make me brand new. I invite you to simply stand where you are. God's the one who does the cleaning. He's the one who does the drawing. He's the one who pays the price for our sin. God, I thank you for your presence that is here, ministering to precious people whom you love so much. For you not only loved the world as a whole, but you loved every individual person. That you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die for us. If you've stood to your feet this morning, I invite you to simply take these moments and to surrender your heart to the Lord. And I want to pray with you. And as you pray right where you're standing, the spirit of the living God is going to work because God never rejects us when we come to him and ask. So I want to pray for you today. And as I pray for you, I invite you to pray right where you are and the spirit of God is going to work. Father, for my friends today who have stood to say, God, I surrender every part of my being to you. Lord, I ask that you would receive the living sacrifice that they are offering. And I pray that they will be able to live a life that honors you each day by living holy, set apart for your purposes. I pray that you would forgive them of all of their sin and that you would wash their heart clean. May their names be written in the Lamb's book of life 
And may all of the angels in heaven rejoice. Lord, we celebrate what you are doing. And we thank you that you hear us. You heal us in our bodies, but also in our spirits. All shame must go in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for peace that passes all understanding to bless my friends today as they walk now in newness of life. In Jesus' name, amen.